You're listening to show 26 of the C-Suite podcast and the third of a series of specials being recorded at the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity in association with ECO, the International Communications Consultancy Organization. And joining me now straight after hosting a great session in the forum in the main conference center on the topic of age agnostic content is Karen Strauss, partner and chief strategy and creative officer at Ketchum. Karen has also brought along uh, Adam Singolder of Taboola, who was one of the uh, panel guests. And we also have uh, Gabriel uh, Rougeau, who is creative director at Ketchum and worked on a great uh, campaign for Pfizer, which was shown in, uh, shown in the session, and we'll talk about that um, shortly. Karen, do you want to give us a uh, quick intro about age agnostic content and what you were discussing in the session? I would indeed. You know, I was so pleased when Ad Age ran a story at the end of December 2015 predicting that 216 would be the year of age agnostic marketing, which I actually interpreted to mean that we were going to finally take advantage of the power of the internet to identify people by shared interests, and we would abandon the practice of writing creative briefs aimed at people by their age. Uh, But it turns out so many creative briefs continue to target people based on demographics, not on psychographics, and so I assembled a panel to address when age does matter and when age should be ignored in favor of marketing to passions. Excellent. Now, uh, Adam, you were part of that panel. Um, I've got a question uh, that I picked up um, you know, when I was listening in the, in the session, but before I do that, just tell us a little bit about Taboola. Sure. So um, I started Taboola eight and a half years ago um, because I couldn't find anything to watch on TV, and I thought it makes no sense for people to look for content or TV shows and TV shows should be looking for people. So, you know, I think Google and search engines changed the world because if you knew what you were looking for, you can find it. But I think the future will be completely in reverse in a, in a way that there's so much information out there and that information should find us at the right time, at the right moment. Okay, you made, you made a, a really great comment about, um, and, and I think I got this right, you said smart marketing goes beyond age and into value and passion. And obviously you focus on interests. Right. You know, I think, I think demographic, the notion of demographic and what marketers are looking for is completely changing and evolving. Um, you know, I think if you're able to, people are so overwhelmed with information. There's so many things for us to do that, you know, consumers are just looking for things that they want, they choose to include into day-to-day experiences. So at the end of the day, at these points in our generation, whether you're 20, 30, 80, it's all about what can you create out there as a storyteller that people want to include on their day-to-day experiences. And that's passion, that's value. Uh, this trade of value, this exchange, this is really uh, where things are going. So I think um, if you're a marketer and you want to reach consumers, it starts with what is it? What is it that you're trying to, to address who are those people that are going through something that whatever you create may be valuable to them? So we talked about on a panel about AARP and how they create content that's relevant not only for retirees but also for young audiences. As an example, how to find the love of your life or your next career move. And you know, if you're 20, if you're 30, I think some of us spend most of our life looking for the love of our life. So in that respect, that content is age agnostic. Uh, Karen says, you know, universal. Um, and I think it's relevant, it's valuable, and people want to include it in their life if they're in that stage. Sorry, you were going to say something. No, so I think, I think this is the evolution. We're going from a world where it used to be all about what is the age I put on my Facebook account. That used to be a really important metric, my age. And it's evolving into in what market am I right now? Am I, am I looking for love? Am I looking for a job? Am I looking for advice? That is way more valuable. And if you can be a marketer, a storyteller, a creator that addresses that, you're important. 
Excellent. It's getting a bit loud here as we have the planes coming over us. But Karen, I, I want to ask you, um, what would you say now then if you see a brief that comes into your uh, office or your team that says target age group X? So am I talking to CMOs who can handle profanity or do I need to keep this clean? No, you can, you can uh, go as, Well, as <laughs> to be honest, um, it does frustrate me uh, as a woman who admittedly is in her mid-50s and uh, who receives brief after brief that describes a target audience as millennials, as though that's one monolithic block, boomers, as though all boomers were created equal. Uh, and um, when I shared this with some sophisticated marketers, they insisted times have changed. No one's doing that anymore. But uh, I know my eyes do not deceive me. Um, I receive these briefs all the time. And uh, in response to receiving them, I nine out of 10 times push back and argue that we need to use data analytics to discover what are the relevant and shared passions that we can use to first better understand who we're trying to reach and only in so doing can we create content that's going to make the uh, love connection as it were. You're not going to connect with people by uh, reminding them how young or old they are. Well, talking of uh, making content, we have a, a man sat next to you who uh, made a, a, a fantastic video that you showed in, in the session. Um, now, uh, Gabriel, uh, Karen showed a, a video that was produced uh, for Pfizer, and it was looking at uh, the attitude about getting old. Do you want to just talk us through that? And, and just for the benefit of the listeners, when I um, upload this uh, podcast and do a write-up, I'll put a link to it as well. But uh, Okay, great. Um, you know, um, when we came up with this idea, was uh, Pfizer gave us a briefing like, I need to talk with millennials about aging. And we feel like, okay, they don't care about it. So how we can do something that will you know, make everybody pay attention? So we start to provoke them. And we created this um, kind of exper experimental work, like asking the same questions for young people and for old people. And the, the answers uh, you know, uh, brought us a new reality, like uh, young people are lazy. Uh, they are staying home, uh, watching Netflix, they don't go out with friends, they are not having sex, and with old people it's the opposite, they are not having sex, not having sex. yeah. So, uh, it's we old people who are. That was refreshing, I mean the young audiences don't do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. So you it's know, like Snapchat, you know, just it just kills the uh, yeah, not yeah. Business, so. maybe with themselves. <laughs> you know, uh, um, we found there that old people are more active. Like they are playing sports, they are uh, going out, they are traveling, they are having sex without you know, they are falling in love again. They are uh, you know trying to have a new love at you know seventies. And this is amazing because uh, after that, um, the social media, we broke social media in Brazil, was massive. Everybody had comment about um, what we did there. And we continued to provoke with another activation where we put an um, old guy helping um, people, uh, young people um, crossing busy, busy intersections. So the guy came, you know. You are uh, in your mobile phone and texting, uh, and you are, you know, almost you cross the street. So this is dangerous for you. Let me help you, so you can cross safe. 
So uh, it was 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 huge. It's a huge uh, hit in Brazil, and we took uh, all the conversation around the agents for Pfizer. So what what I loved uh, was the if you don't mind me saying the simplicity yeah. of it in terms of like the single camera because I, I thought it was actually quite similar to last year's winner here of always like a girl which was yeah. kind of like single camera and, yeah. and and what for me comes across of why it's so good is the storytelling it's all yeah. about the content you don't need any visual effects would you agree with that yeah you know um, we decide to do it simple because uh, first we don't have a lot of money to produce uh, and second uh, it's more intimate you know, uh, I interviewed by myself more than 200 people in Brazil and I brought to life this video with 20 different kinds of people and you know, the, we, when we shortlisted uh, which one we, we're going to, you know, uh, we'll have then in the movie um, was around uh, 8 to, 20, to 10 more or less. But you know, uh, if you have a great idea you don't have visual effects. You just have the great idea, and it will need to brought to life, you know, you know, in a good craft. But a good craft it not means uh, technology or you know special effects and this kind of shit. Karen is is nodding away there, so I'm going to give I'm going to give the last word to Karen here because obviously you were uh, chairing the, the the session. Any any sort of final words on this whole topic? Well, I guess my uh, since I have the uh, luxury of talking to an audience of CMOs, um, I would just say that uh, we all have to join hands together and commit to thinking in terms of discovering what people's passions are, um, jettisoning old uh, mythology about how young people think and how old people think. Um, deciding that uh, truly this is the year, if not the decade, of age agnostic marketing and um, that uh, those of us who plan strategy, those of us who create uh, creative content, um, those of us who ensure that the right people discover our content all have to come together as a united force um, in order to play to people's passions because I think we're going to have far greater engagement and far less uh, ignoring or blocking of the hard work that we all put into this craft. Fantastic. What a great message to uh, finish off with. So um, thank you very much to Gabriel Arujo, Adam Singolda and Karen Strauss. Uh, thanks for joining the show and we are back after this break. Consumers are 10 times more likely to buy goods or services if addressed in their own language. Conversus enables international businesses to communicate their message across different languages and cultures. For translation and localization of your PR comms and website content, multilingual desktop publishing, and audio dubbing and subtitling of videos, visit conversus.com. You're listening to a Can Lions special of the C-Suite podcast with me, Russell Goldsmith. And next up to join me here on the beachfront in the ICO House of PR is Mark Bukowski. Uh, welcome to the show, Mark. Well, thank you for having me. Excellent. Now, uh, this is my uh, first visit to Cannes. Um, I can assume you've done a few more. Do you know what? I haven't been here for, I, I can't work out whether it was 20 or maybe 18 years ago, but the last time I came here, it was just, I came with a group of advertising creatives. Uh, it was very hairy, sort of more homespun affair. <laughs> so it's a bit like saying, have you been to Glastonbury Festival? Um, and, and you say, yeah, I went back in the 80s. <laughs> If you go to the Glassbury Festival tomorrow, you'll see a big difference, and it is extraordinary. The largesse and the, you know, the big boys have moved in. I think yeah. the last eight years, it really has changed, and it is certainly much more 
uh, interesting than the movie festival. Do you still get the same buzz for it, though, from being yeah, here? Yeah, I think I do. I think that, you know, when you meet people and you find interest, you know, it's two things. You, you, you connect with long-lost friends and you meet people you don't recognise and uh, they turn out to be interesting. So any opportunity to have the world in one place, a very small place, and start meeting people, it's got to be good and it's got to be exciting. Sure. And uh, it's a 24-7 experience. What's been your highlights and key takeouts from the week? The, the, the highlights for me have been twofold. A, some of the talks during the day, some of the networking, and then some of the most extraordinary parties, even for an old git like me, have been to, has even knocked my socks off. I think the high point were the talks. I thought Madonna Badger, um, who I saw, um, I think it was Sunday, um, an incredible inspirational talk about her life and her career, what she's doing. Uh, I met an amazing Swedish creative agency called Snask, who um, sold culture. Um, there was, you know, a absolutely astonishing talk for Brian Chesky, who's the um, founder of Airbnb. Um, really realigned myself. I think I tweeted before I came, I'd look, learn and listen, and absolutely that is the case. The parties have been extraordinary. I was at a very exclusive party last night, and about 9 o'clock, for about 100 people, Dave Grohl gave a very intimate 40-minute acoustic performance with sto stories about Taylor Swift, Australian miners, and, um, you know, some uh, uh, mad nights with Paul McCartney. And it was bewitching. I'm, I'm impressed you took my call at nine o'clock this morning then. <laughs> uh, listen, you, uh, you, you've got to live without sleep here. Uh, sleep is for Sundays. Um, now you're talking about the talks, actually. I mean, do you think people get, uh, the people here, are, are they getting enough out of the talks? So, you know, because you see a lot of people um, in the bars and then, you know, there's some, I mean, we're sitting here overlooking Facebook's uh, sort of private peer here and there's people sat chatting networking are they getting the benefit of the talks that are happening actually in, on the on the stage I, I think it's a dichotomy i don't think they, they i don't think they are i think that um people are very busy people have got their clients here particularly big ad networks media boys um they're having to bewitch those clients spend more money with them um but no they're not i but the good thing is younger people you know who are here are seeing those talks and are being inspired and I think that's brilliant but I think that every time I've spoken to a journalist I've known here or a media person or an ad man or a PR people they haven't been to a talk they haven't been to one and I think that's their loss yeah um, yeah. I've done eight and I think you can find you know in the in the week I've been here and it was certainly easier that um, you know I came early Saturday and Sunday I saw a lot of fantastic stuff and you've got to learn. You've actually got to come to camp for what it's about. You've got to see what other people's work is. You've got to see. It's not. You can get. You can get sort of pissed any night of the week in any bar in any place in the world. Um, and there's plenty of late night drinking to be done when the talks are over. So it's a dichotomy. Yeah. I think you need the talk to make can feel sexy. But ultimately, it's the networking. I think and the deals that are going on is the real driver for this place. We're well, talking about seeing other people's work. Um, brings me on to the topic of the awards because obviously there's a lot of create. I mean it's the festival of creativity so you see some very creative uh, campaigns but one of, or a lot of the talk especially here in, in Eco's House of PR has been the fact that uh, the lack of PR agencies winning in the PR category. What, what's your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah that's, that, that's, that's, there's twofold to that. I mean you know awards are great if you get them and they're terrible if you don't. Awards are great if you're entering and they're crap if you're not entering them. Um, I think it shows. I thought I, I did a couple of talks, uh, keynote speeches uh, about two or three years ago. 
to, to rooms who disagreed with me, I actually thought that PR was on the cusp of doing something very, very significant in terms of owning the space. I think the opportunity was missed. I think the media boys and the content folk have actually moved into that space and regained the ground. Maybe they had the resources, and I don't think we've been clever enough to integrate it. Colin Byrne wrote a blog I tweeted, I thought was very strong, I think he nailed it. I think the lines between what a PR campaign, what a sales promotion campaign, what a digital campaign, what an actor advertising company are blurring together now and therefore it is very difficult to choose and a lot of the stuff that actually won PR was what I would have called in my day three million years ago a sales promotion well executed creative sales promotion um, but we're not we're not stamping down what PR can do greater than anything else is reach mass influence mm. with big ideas connecting with big people and we've lost that because we want to sort of seem relevant um, and by projecting relevancy, we're missing the now. The now is what, we're, is what the media is available now. Yes, we've got to change. Yes, things are going to become more and more blurred, as I said. But come on, you know, if you're not hitting mass reach, it's not taking off. And I, I looked at many of the um, nominees and it was all about finding bloggers and influencers and whatever and bypassing what still has mass impact, mass media. And I think that PR really need to work harder, much harder at the work they're doing, not sort of give away what I call idea porn. Yeah. Great yeah. ideas on the table, but do they really matter? And we're going in the space where, um, you know, advertising agencies got a few years ago which was to talk up a creative idea that didn't also have impact, but it was very well presented as an award. What's your thoughts overall on the Lions? Because obviously you've judged plenty of industry awards yourself. I think that I think if you're a massive, well, I think if you're a global agency, if you're a, a big American global agency, um, these are very, very important awards because they are a differentiator for the CMO. And I think for you know small little agencies, it, it's irrelevant. Frankly, it's irrelevant. You're not going. This is to impress big, big clients who hold global accounts. Um, whether it's in advertising, in digital, in in creative or PR. Well, I'd like to pick up on that then, because do, do you think Can gives an opportunity for those small independent agencies to make noise? Because the whole place here is is dominated by the bigger group. You know, the, both the uh, you know all, all the talk, all the talks, all the award entries, ev everything is the bigger groups. Yeah, well, that, that's that, that's what makes the world go round. It's a very uh, you know Americans are here in force. It's a great morale boosting experience and networks to get together to meet frenemies. Um, this is not a place for small independent agencies. Uh, if they want to make an impact, that means, you know, if you're here as a small agency, make an impact, but make sure that you're, you're making a good profit out of your agency so you're available to be sold. Could, you, could there be like a kind of fringe part of the festival, do you think? Uh, I don't think that's the point. I, I really don't think that's the point. I think that, yes, there could be, but no one would go. Yeah. It's Fair irrelevant. Enough. I mean, what is relevant is what the big players think and what they're doing, what's happening on the big boats. But if you're ready to sell and you're a small agency, come up with an almighty great PR campaign and you'll do a deal in can. Brilliant. Um, and so based on your thoughts over the last 20 years of coming and, and what you've seen this year, you're going to be back for 2017? Uh, if God allows me, yes, I will. 
Excellent. Thanks for stopping by for the chat, Mark. Uh, we're back after the break with Sam Fay of Guinness World Records. Support for the C-Suite podcast comes from Broadcast Specialist Marketeers. Broadcast Specialist Marketeers. Market hires? Tears. Tears. Half of the world's most valuable brands. User Marketeers. Delivering stories and content on air, online and to mobile that capture attention. Marketeers. Switch on the power of broadcast. Very nice. I use Marketeers. You do? I love it. Welcome back to the C-Suite podcast and joining me now for my final Can Lions interview is Sam Fay, who is Senior Vice President uh, for Global Brand Strategy at Guinness World Records. Uh, now, I had thought of cancelling this interview as uh, of all the incredibly creative, talented, successful and in some cases super rich and beautiful film stars that uh, have been hanging around the festivals this week. Uh, Sam is the one person I am most jealous of. Shall we share with the listeners why that might be, Sam? Yes, I believe that's because on Tuesday evening I went to a lovely party on a yacht and I met Gary Barlow. Ridiculous. Anyone else that you've seen here? Um, Yes, uh, on Saturday night I met David Copperfield. He invited me to the islands of Copperfield. And then the following evening I had dinner with Will Smith. So it's been an incredible week for me. Well, I I have to say I'm very honoured that you've given up a little bit of time to to speak to me. So... uh my man crush on Gary Barlow aside, uh, let's get down to the proper chat of why you're here. Uh, you presented a session on Saturday called How to Be a Legend in Your Lunch Hour. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I did. So we were at the Debussy Theatre um, on Saturday and How to Be a Legend in Your Lunch Hour was basically sharing with everyone the five qualities that we believe you need to be a record breaker and to be the best in the world. And they are imagination, differentiation, dedication, validation and amplification. And how was the feedback of, of the uh, of the chat? Um, I've had incredible feedback, actually. Uh, selfies aside from various members of the audience, which was a lot of fun, is that people uh, said it made them feel differently about Guinness World Records, that the book has a lot of love and people like it, but that they didn't realise that brands are using Guinness World Records and record-breaking to amplify their message. And so, yes, it's been very good for us. So, uh, so actually, on that point about working with brands, I'm guessing that's the reason why you're here... Um, yes, this is the first time we've been to Can Lions and we've been publishing a book for 61 years. Um, but we've actually been working with brands and agencies for around six years now, whether that's um, you know customer engagement or PR outreach. And we've actually worked with 48 of the top 100 brands in the last 18 months. And so we really wanted to come along to Can Lions and, and tell more people, really, um, that, that we're not just a book anymore. Yeah. Well, you talk about the, the book and, and obviously as, as a kid growing up, for me, you know, Guinness World Records is all about, you know, record breakers and, and and Roy Castle I mean relating back to the first part of this particular podcast I was uh, chatting with Karen Strauss um, of Ketchum and she was talking about age agnostic marketing I'm, I'm guessing you're the perfect brand for that that appeals across all the ages um, yes we are I mean record breaking really does appeal to every age and so mums buy the book for their kids and that tends to be your 7 to 11 year olds so your tweens uh, boys and girls love it but boys even more so they like the facts um, our online audience so we just hit 10 million fans on Facebook and that ha- that average age of audience is aged between 18 to 34 and majority men so another another audience and then of course all the brands and agencies that we work with um, so With 50,000 records, I mean, it it really has got that appeal. So whether you're working in pharmaceuticals, um, cars, um, FMCG, whatever you might be, and whatever age you are, I think, you know, being the best in the world at something uh, appeals to everyone. 
Have you broken any records yourself? I'm not allowed to break records, right. um, but I've practised a few. So, fastest time to put together Mr Potato Head, um, I can actually do in 16 seconds, which is nowhere near the world record. Um, but we do have a lot of fun in the office um, trying records out. I'm sure. So what have been your sort of key takeouts from your first experience in, in Cannes? Um, well, I've been to a few sessions, um, which has been really interesting. I mean, to be quite honest, I feel as if my mind has expanded in terms of creativity, which is, I think, what Can Lions team wanted to do. I really enjoyed the session, which was IPG Media Brands, talking about brand dynamism and that the four qualities and the way that you measure a brand differently. So it's about agility, responsiveness, innovation and sociability. And, and we've had to take ourselves from a publishing company um, and really changed um, to be able to survive as a business and to grow. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Thanks. Any other sessions that you've, that you've seen that sort of like particular highlights? It was, it was interesting in the, in the interview I did just before uh, this one I was talking to Mark Bukowski and what he was saying is he, he feels a lot of people don't you know go into enough talks and that's where you know you really do pick up quite a lot of creativity and, and, and ideas. Um, you definitely do and, and I've, I've not been to lots of sessions um, because it's been really busy in terms of uh, interviews and record breaking but I really enjoyed Unilever and so they were talking about the three eyes, so individuals, influencers and impacts but what was really interesting to me is that sustainable living brands have 30% faster growth than any other brands. And I just thought that was, uh, you know, I think the work that Unilever are doing is really interesting. Yeah. Um, so lots of takeaways. Brilliant. Um, now, you have another significant session happening in a, in a couple of hours in the main uh, Lumiere Theatre, which sounds a little exciting. Yes, at six o'clock in the Lumiere Theatre, we are going to hopefully, uh, we are, we're going to attempt the record for the largest lesson in creative thinking. Um, we need at least 250 people to come along, so I'm really hoping um, that people come along to the session. And we're going to attempt to do the largest lesson in creative thinking. That means that people need to concentrate, proper lesson, and not look at their phones for 30 minutes. So I actually think at Cannes this could be my biggest challenge be today. A hard one, yeah. Well, good luck with that. Um, and in terms of future developments for Guinness World Records? Um, yes, so we still sell the book. We sell 2.8 million books in 26 languages in over 100 countries in 16 weeks and working with brands and agencies uh, across the board. Um, but our big new venture is going to be into the live entertainment market. So we're actually opening a Guinness World Records attraction next autumn in North America. So you'll be able to go along and, and take your kids and enjoy record breaking for a whole day. Amazing. Now, uh, one uh, question. In fact, you you talked about some of the stuff that, that you've tried in the office, but just uh, to finish off, what's your favourite record? Uh, my favourite record is probably The Tallest Man because he is Sultan Kozan from Turkey. He's eight foot three inches, and when I met him in New York, he told me it was the first time he'd ever felt small. Um, but I also really enjoyed meeting Michael Jackson when he came along to collect all 12 of his certificates from our office back in 2006. And doing jumping jacks on the lawn with Michelle Obama was also quite cool. I can't, I, there's not a lot for me to say to that really, is there? <laughs> this has been a real pleasure. I've met Noddy Holder, does that count? <laughs> no, who it was, doesn't. Who was my hero, so there you go. Every, everyone can be a hero, so it counts. <laughs> Excellent. Sam Faye, thanks for joining us, and uh, obviously good luck with the, uh, the record attempt tonight, so we look forward to finding out uh, all about that. That wraps up the third and final podcast from Can Lions. Um, I just want to thank the team here at ICO for hosting us. Uh, you can find out more about them at www.icopr.com. Also, thanks to Marketeers for use of their recording kit and Conversis, the uh, translation specialist for so supporting my trip here. Um, don't forget, you can listen to all previous shows of this series.
please uh, just subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. And of course, you can uh, search for the C-Suite podcast. And please, if you can, give the show a positive rating and a review uh, while you're there. I spotted we were at number 60 in the business management and marketing chart. So any more of uh, reviews will help uh, us get up those charts and uh, make it into the top 50. You never know. Um, if you want to get in touch with me about the show, just drop me a line on Twitter using at Russ Goldsmith or drop me a line using the contact form at c-suitepodcast.com. Thanks for listening and goodbye.